Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How was um, Paolo Sosa, by the way? Brilliant. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, li- I liked I liked him a lot. He's got um, the cut of his jib. It was a good interview. Oh, thank you. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and He's got a very deep voice. And like I said to you, everyone in uh, France and Portugal has got a really deep voice. I feel like David Beckham when I'm in either of those countries. As if I say, welcome, Andy. And I, Hello. <laughs> voice only, but yeah, that's why not, you feel like David Beckham. That's the only reason, right? I work very hard on the pitch. I don't work very hard on the pitch. <laughs> What do you guys think about, because um, obviously the dust is starting to settle over the um, Champions League qualifiers now, so what do you guys make of that? I mean, obviously the big stories would be Porto and Celtic going out. Um, uh, Ajax could have been one of them. You yeah. know, they were wobbling for a little bit against against Pauk. It's an odd game. So many penalty shouts. Yeah. Just a bunch of them. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued that they've... Actually, yeah, obviously we talk about the players they've lost, uh, but they've still got Ziyech there. They've still got Neres there. Still got Tadic doing his uh, false number nine thing. It's still an exciting team, no? Mm. But was, was Tadic's season last season a bit of an outlier, though? I'm not sure, because it was... You've, you're putting him in this new position, like you're using him as a false nine to sort of link up to these sort of uh, dangerous wingers they have. I don't think that's the way he's ever played before. Uh, he he said to me actually when um, we went over there to do uh, at the match. Um, I spoke to him after uh, Ajax versus Real Madrid first leg uh, last season when we thought it was going to be a gallant exit before they got to the Bernabeu and absolutely whooped their asses. Yeah, um, he said I, I don't feel comfortable there. I, I don't really enjoy it. Really? And, and, you know, maybe maybe he, he doesn't, got, but it works. He got nearly 40 goals out of it. This is the thing. Like, numbers that. But this is why I'm not saying it might not be an outlier. It's just they're yeah. trying they're trying to make him do something he's never tried doing before and that he, like he says, he might not like, but it seems to work really well and there's no particular reason to think it won't work this season. And originally, they only were doing it in a Champions League context and I think they did it. It first really worked when they went away to Bayern and they played Bayern off the park and they should have won that game. It was it was a draw, but that gave them the confidence to go and get results on the road, which they were unable to do before that. And that was the problem. You know, you look at that, um, Europa League run and ad- admittedly it wasn't quite as good a side they had under Peter Bosch but you know that they had these huge soaring emotional crescendos of performances in Amsterdam and then they'd go out and nearly throw it all away on the road and that happened you know when they played Schalke when they played Lyon in the, in, mm-hmm. in, in the, in the semi-final and the fact that they fixed that was a big step towards them doing well in the Champions League it definitely gave them the confidence to go on what they did in the group stages gave them the confidence to go on and play like they did in Madrid and play like they did in um, uh, Turin but I think as, as well with going back to the Tadic thing I, th- I think you have to take two things into consideration one he's you know signed again like, like Ziyech has signed again he's, he's, he's definitely staying there so you know and he's, he seems very happy there um, but I think they have to work out what makes him happy in the long term because you know maybe he did like to to all intents and purposes take one for the team last season maybe it was an experiment that went a little bit further than they expected and also you've got to think about how they maximize the value and i know it's a horrible icky way of saying it but it is important to a to, to a club like ajax the one player who's the one player there of those young players who you think he's not really gone anywhere mm. it's casper dolberg mm-hmm. you've got to Fix the team. Didn't even give us a chance to answer that. Like, I knew what you were thinking. We've got such synergy. (laughs) I I think the the thing is, at some point, they've got to work out how to regenerate not just his monetary value, but his value in terms of what he is as a player to them here and now before they get to the point of selling him. And at at some point, Tadic is going to have to move if they're going to get the best out of 
Dolberg, isn't but it? But I think I think another interesting facet to the Tadish thing is the question of whether Van de Beek stays or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because part of why you have a number nine who's really good at dropping deep and setting up people is that you've got a mi- uh, midfielder in Van de Beek who's just extraordinary at timing these runs into the box. Yeah. Now, whoever you replace him with is probably not going to be quite that good at that particular thing. And if the guy's breaking from midfield, if you don't have that much of an obvious goal threat there, it makes less sense to have that type of number nine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, the thing is, we, always with with Dutch and especially Portuguese clubs, it feels weird talking about what their team is going to be like for the season at this point. Mm. With like, as we record, what I, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen days left of the the transfer window, a lot could change. I mean, they've not quite fallen into that Monaco trap of just you know a whole ton of them falling out the door, but it has been. A substantial turnover. Okay, they've hold, held on to some good ones. They knew a few were going, so they're, they're pre-planned. And you know, you look at you look at players they got in, like Magian, for example, last winter, who was clearly going to replace Delicht long term, or maybe that's still the idea anyway. Um, but it's, it is hard to say what, what Ajax are going to be like. I mean, the money they've made off the Champions League semi final and the money they've made off selling uh, De Jong and Delicht, really, they should be in a position. If they can get it right, and that's why I think it's such an enormous like two weeks or so for them, or just under two weeks for them. If they play it right, they can dominate that domestic league for the next three or four years. And that's a big deal because they've struggled to win championships in the last, what, well, since Frank de Boer left, really. That's true. But it looks like so far that they're a good study in what you do when you lose assets in that way. Because we, mm. we talk a lot about how sad it is that the food chain of European football is such that when a team, even of Ajax's historical stature, have a great team, they will lose the biggest players. And that's true, they will. But so far, they've taken the, the money. And as you've said, they've they've planned ahead. They've got reinforcements in. But they've also used some of the money to incentivize some of the guys to stay. Like Ziyech mm. staying is a huge deal. I, I, I wouldn't have thought he, he was going to. And is it slightly odd that he's still there, actually? I wonder, I, I, I talked about it somewhere, I can't remember whether it's here or elsewhere. We'll pretend it was here. Um, Bloody well better have been here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it a good point or not? If it was a good point, it better have been here. You're just about to find out. <laughs> I, I, I think the thing with Ziek, he improved so much last season. He was a good player before, mm. but he was so good last season. I think he, he almost worked against himself getting a move. Because you look at the clubs that were interested in him. Last summer, so yeah, summer summer 2018. You're looking at um, uh, Roma. You're looking at Lyon. If 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 Fekir had gone last summer, mm. and they're looking around the 20 25 million euro mark, mm. you're not getting him for that now. No. And have we had quite enough of him? Where we think, all right, if I'm Paris Saint Germain, if I'm Real Madrid, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the farm on him, and pr- probably not. Yeah. So he's in that bracket, yeah, with the top five or six clubs in the world, maybe not. Mm. But then he's too expensive for the, the exactly. bracket slightly below them. And maybe if you're him, maybe actually staying another year at Ajax and being a key part of whatever this team is this season is almost better and then, then going immediately to a mid-tier team, European-wise. It's what Christian Eriksen should do. He's, he's in a similar spot, mm. I think. What do you make of Porto going out? That's a big, big blow for them, isn't it? A terrible start to the season for them, really. Yeah, really, really bad. Of course, they lost the first game of the season to Gilles Vicente. And, um, yeah. Well, yeah, well, we had an email about that, actually. Christian Seattle emailed in um, saying, you know, what's, what's Gilles Vicente's story? Because Porto lost to them in the league, as you've mentioned. Presumably that was something to do with a, a long trip to Krasnodar, I suppose. Um, but they've got the resources in the squad where they, they should have been able to, okay. to, to cover it. But well, answer, but, answer, answer the whole thing holistically. You're, 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 you're right. It, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a terribly energetic uh, performance. And I think it was one of those things where they thought we could just, we, we can just turn up and find, find a way to chisel out a 2-0, which uh, didn't work. Gilles Vicente were very well organised. Uh, like, like they counter-attacked very, very well in, indeed. And, and Porto didn't have quite that imagination or energy. And that, that fed into some of the, the concerns that there were at the start of the season that, you know, maybe post-Brahimi and a, a few other losses in midfield. Of course, Hector Herrera went as well. Maybe they didn't quite have the key to the door in midfield. Oliver Torres moved on as well. Before before we get into Porto in depth, talk to me a little bit quickly um, on Christian's question about Gilles Vicente. What's their story? Um, I mean, I mean, they've 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 got themselves 
in a decent position. I think they're, they're, they're one of those teams who it's always a tough place to go to. Um, but, but they've got, they've got a talented squad this year, I think. Mm. And so they can justifiably push towards the top six because after under the top four in Portugal, there's a big drop off. So th- mm. there is, there is a little opportunity for them, but, but to, to go back to, to, to Porto, um, you know that they, they, they've tried to address that those problems in midfield. They've brought in Uribe. Um, the, How disastrous the, the, the is this for them? Oh, it's huge! It's yeah. huge. I mean, like we said last week, you know, all they can do in the Portuguese press is talk about the numbers involved when you're qualifying for the Champions League. They had it set at 44 million euros for getting in um, the group stage this year. So for them, that means that they might have to sell a couple of players I mean mean, this is we talked about it being a big last 12-14 days of the transfer window for Ajax more so for Porto I think you have to look at Marega you have to look at Suarez who's got interest from um, the the, the Far East Um, maybe even Danilo who they really don't want to sell but had a bit of a dispute with Sergio Conceição at at the start of the season before the start of the season it's a bad time for you to be waxing lyrical with Paolo Sosa about how good Portuguese coaches are (laughs) which is what you did yesterday (laughs) well <laughs> he didn't have a good start to the season either. <laughs> we'll come on to him in a minute. Yeah. But uh Sergio Conceição is, is is safe, but this d- definitely affects Porto's season because not just will they be out of the Champions League, not just will they have to adjust adjust their budgets accordingly because of course they're only just coming out of FFP measures. Yeah. Um it's it's a huge deal for them. If they have to weaken the team which they're already rebuilding bear in mind Brahimi went for nothing Hector Herrera went for for, for nothing they've, they've fallen away since they were considered um, kings of the transfer market I think that title in Portugal belongs to Benfica now that port- mm. t- title in Portugal is there an actual trophy for that Benfica. there should be yeah. there bloody should be in Portugal there needs to be right yeah, that's they're big, def- that's def- big. there definitely does need to be uh, and there can only be one league winner as we know every, yeah. every season I, I think you look at that and the the fact that their team might be further weakened, the fact that um, Benfica has started the season so brilliantly with 5-0 wins against Passos de Ferreira in their first league game, 5-0 win against Sporting, as we talked about last week in in, in the Supertassa, um, it's already looking quite bleak for Porto this season. And you get an impression that they're so far off finding what their their best their best team is. And this is always the thing, isn't it, with these Champions League qualifiers, that these teams are undercooked. They haven't worked out what their best eleven is. They're not quite prepared. And they're playing a games that mean absolutely everything. And you look at the players used by Porto in just what three games this season before, so far they've used 20 players mm-hmm. in, in three games so far and you know Sergio Conceição was asked asked a lot after the Krasnodar game where they, they basically lost it in the first half by going 3-0 down they came back in the second but it wasn't enough like why did you move the team about so much and he was he went all Mourinho he was like oh, I don't have to answer to you I'm the coach but he has when you know that's, they're in trouble yeah. yeah but that's I was going to go on to that because what I keep thinking after this week is that there, I wish there was a better way of doing these Champions League qualifiers, but I can't think of any sensible way of doing it. We have a situation now where these huge clubs from around Europe have to play, you know, season-defining games when mm. they are, like you say, completely undercooked. They're just back from holiday. Transfer window's not shut. They don't know what their teams are going to be like. And suddenly they have to play these double headers that, to a huge extent, define their seasons. And that doesn't feel like an ideal situation. But on the other hand... I can't think of any other logical way of doing it so that you can have a, a wide net for the for the Champions League group stages. Yeah, and also I'm not convinced there's really going to be the political pressure on, on, on UEFA from the clubs that there might be if they were slightly bigger clubs. I mean, mm. the, the fact is the top four leagues don't have to go through these qualifiers Well, Seferin did mention something about this, didn't he, fairly recently? Yeah, he did. Uh, to me, it we seemed... We had a bit of a bust up about it in the office, didn't we? Didn't we start, weren't we arm wrestling about it beforehand? Or did we talk about it on here? I can't remember. Mud wrestling. It's been a very strange day at the office. <laughs> we, do, we, 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 we do arm wrestle quite a lot, generally. Well, yeah. I've seen... I mean, I, I put this to the internet the other day and I got suggestions from people saying all European champions should be straight into the group stage. Now, ideologically, I get what you're saying there, but putting like the Latvian and the Gibraltar champions straight into the group stage with the money that would entail... It would have some very odd knock-on effects. Yeah. And certainly you would have a situation where in a lot of the smaller leagues you would build hierarchy, you would build dynasties that couldn't possibly be broken because of the financial discrepancies you'd create. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been one of the major knock-ons of the Champions League that people don't really talk about, isn't it? The fact that if teams from second or third tier leagues qualify consistently for the the Champions League, 
their domestic league ceases to be a, a competition. Well, like, yeah, you'll we'll, we'll, we'll go on to Rosenberg. I mean, they, won, yeah, they won the league 13 times in a row. And yeah. a, a lot of that was because they were doing a lot of things very well. They had an inspirational and coach and all this. But And they were one step away from the group stage themselves this season. They are. And that's one of those things where in Norway we're obviously excited about it because it would be great to have a Norwegian team in the group stage again. But it does, in the back of your head, you think if they get that influx of cash... I mean, what would that do? Well, they the might not be fifth next season where they are at the moment. No, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But that is also very strange. I mean, they're closer to the group stage now than they have been for a while. But Lars, and, and, they're, and they're guaranteed cash from the Europa League group stage anyway. So they are going to... But has it benefited them in this qualification process to be in the middle of their season domestically? It certainly... It, theoretically, it does. Uh, or Not just theoretically, it certainly does. This is an odd one in the sense that Rosenberg are not having a good year. Uh, they're having a very difficult year. They replaced uh, their coach over the winter, uh, Eric Hohnland, who's come in is not a bad coach by any means but he was not near the top of the list of guys they wanted and he comes with slightly different uh, tactical ideas than what the tradition at Rosenberg is Rosenberg even though Neil Egan is not around at the club well he's, he's alive still but he's not in charge of the club anymore <laughs> his ideas of uh, 4-3-3 and, and, uh, that, and certain movements that they do and pressing and this sort of thing is still very much alive I mean that is the idea of how Rosenberg should play Hornland came in wanting to do uh, 4-4-1-1 having done well at Haugesund with a slightly more direct style of play the players initially didn't like it very much and they had a terrible start to the season they've changed back a little bit now to something that's more familiar to the players 4-3-3 again and they've started to win games in the league but statistics expected goals and this sort of thing uh, are showing us that while they're winning games in the league they're actually not performing that well just yet so this is not a good uh, Rosenberg this is not a vintage Rosenberg team yet here we are they are just a double header against the Namaz Zagreb again uh, away from the group stage Would you say mm. that a big part of that has been since I spoke to Alexander Sutherland for at the match. He's not been able to stop scoring. No, I yeah. think that's that's key. I mean, in it's the touched it, by the inspiration in the double header <laughs> again. I believe in the double header against Maribor, he scored as many goals as he did at his entire stay at Saint Etienne. <laughs> Pretty sure that's right. That's the Brussels factor. Lars. Three goals over the two legs at the Saint Etienne. He was he was three for forty three at Saint Etienne, which is not ideal for a centre forward. I like Sutherland, and it's interesting because there's always been the last I say always last couple of years since they brought in Nicholas Bentner. Uh, there's been a constant sort of which of them should play as the centre forward and the idea was that Benton was brought in because he had uh, in those big moments in Europe he was going to make the difference the sort of slightly loose uh, touch and the sort of potent finishing of Bentner would would make a real difference and that could just tip them over the line and get to the group stage and it didn't quite work out in Sutherland but more of an agricultural player can we say I mean there's never there's no lack of effort but I mean you could cruelly say the the, the first touch and, and his shots are of a similar velocity quite often and uh, which is slightly mean but you know he's more of a worker as opposed to Bentner and it's interesting interesting that now this year they've marginalised Bentner completely they're trying to get rid of him well he has they, been, to be fair he has been in prison and they, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> he was out of prison hard, hard not was, to marginalise someone when they're under of house arrest or he whatever was out was. of prison when the season started he okay. didn't start the season you know he was he was a free man how's but, your pre-season been <laughs> I've been in prison <laughs> lifted some weights yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only get one hour a day oh, to be fair it was house arrest <laughs> yeah. so it was fine it was yeah uh, well, I guess sure that depends on what your house is like but yeah, I presume his I'm is very sure nice. it's fine but no they've gone with the worker they've gone with the guy who doesn't have experience from Arsenal and Juventus and all this sort of thing they've gone with the guy who just runs around a lot and that seems to be serving them a lot better um, interestingly you know me and Jules were talking about uh, Tammy Abraham and his uh, oh God, yeah. skills in, in, in his initiation yes well it, it's, it's funny when you were talking about Alex there, it reminded me of uh, Ola Selness, the, the other Norwegian <laughs> yes. at Saint-Étienne. When he did his um, his bizutage at Saint-Étienne, they had him standing on a table singing I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Not bad, a it's a great bottle. number. That is a great number. I'll be very happy with that. that not moment. when it's done by Ola Selness. No, not. presumably not, no. But well, I mean, also, I mean... I, I think that's a, that's a very logical thing. I mean, he isn't the quickest player. So in terms of passes, he does want to play <laughs> right that way. If I the want ball, it that way, if brackets the ball, yeah, to feet. Yeah, if the ball goes anywhere else, it's not so yeah. good for Sanders. So it's more of a message yeah. to his teammates. It's, it's, it's double meaning um, there. That's the kind of clever play you get from him. He's a very, he reads the game well. He plays the game in his head. What a metaphorical initiation. That exactly is. right. Uh, staying in, um, in, in Scandinavia, because you've both got reasons to talk about this. One, because... I mean, I'm going to bracket you just as a scandal. That's fine. I'll take it. And you have, I've already, you've already told me you're itching to talk about this. I mean, front runner, early front runner for the greatest penalty shootout of the season happened in Copenhagen 
just Tuesday night, was it? Tuesday night. Yes. Um, ended up 7-6 to Red Star. I'm not going to try and pronounce their, their new name. It's difficult. And not even Jonathan Wilson can do it properly. So. Trevenus Fezda. There you go. You the, can do the, it. That's not their um, new name. They, they went, well, you know what I mean. They went, <laughs> it's very much the old name. Yeah, back when it was okay to call them Red Star uh, <laughs> uh, it was when I started watching football. You know, I've started getting the, the, the fear about um, one of the Moscow clubs because our, our friend Elliot Rothwell got yeah. in touch with me and he's like, it, it, it's, it's not actually Siska because Siska is something that Spartak fans love because it's like Russian for tit. Oh, okay. really? Right. Okay. So, so it's actually Cheska. So you've been offending them all this whole time. Yeah. But but pleasing Spartak fans. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Yeah. This this penalty shootout for those who haven't seen it, I would recommend you go back and give it a watch. Um, it was epic for lots of reasons. I mean, as I said, it ended up seven six. I think there were twenty two penalties. The penalty spot ended up looking like those pictures you see in the aftermath of Passchendaele in the First World War. <laughs> like it was like four yeah. foot of mud. And 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 seriously, they were showing, the, the footage of it I saw, the, the slow motion replays were showing the takers after a while literally not being able to plant their non-kicking foot properly. Well, the, the referee let them put it slightly to one side That's of the right. spot in the end, didn't he? Mm. But even then it was it didn't really make an awful lot well, of difference. Well, I've also, never seen so many penalties go over the crossbar before. And it seemed like the ball wobbled when they planted their foot yes. down as well. That was an odd one. They've said today, FC Copenhagen, that they will relay the pitch. That seems a bit too late to me. <laughs> it feels like the kind of thing that maybe they should have yeah. done a week ago. That'll, that'll please their fans. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll relay no it Champions after the League, game. But yeah. Palla tagliata. Messa fuori. C'è Pirlo. 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 Ancora. Pirlo. Di Tecco. Tiro. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Beide kanten veel gebeurde. Netzet is boos op Meguto González. Maar. Did you guys see that um, Cesc Fabregas sending off? Yes. 
I mean, I mean ratify. I mean, we only, as I said to Andy yesterday, we're only going to get a certain amount of times this season to talk about VAR yeah. before we just lose all our listeners. And so I'm not proposing. So we're do we, it early on. No, I'm not proposing we do a big long treatise on VAR today. But that sending off was, I think I'm right in saying, was ratified by VAR. Yes. Yeah, and he got a three match ban for it. Very, very difficult to see, even in the old super slow mos, how that is justifiable. You think? I think so. You think he gave him a little kick? He raked his his studs down the back of his his calf. Now, uh, it's it's quite a dangerous bit of play. So, the the, the camera angle I saw, it it was focused on the top half, and, and it seemed to intimate. That he was pulling him back and denying and denying a goal. No, he did give him a little kick on the slide behind. The right, foot okay, there, that makes more sense. Yeah. I, I mean, because he put his hands up straight away. Yeah. Um, Sesk's implication was that he did it by accident. He may well have done it by accident, but then we're getting into the whole he's not that kind of player thing. If it's a dangerous bit of play that could have injured the opponent and mm. it was lucky it didn't was serious it, was it though was it dangerous it was it part of the rough and tumble it needs to be either dangerous well no it certainly wasn't that I mean it was him being frustrated and giving him a bit of a kick I think okay. you know I think you're the first one of the first people I've heard who's, who said he actually meant to do it though Lars I don't, I don't, there's I just not think, really an acceptance like, of that in France he's a little shit well, I mean, I, threw I, a bit I, slice I, of pizza at Sir Alex Ferguson once I mean Fabregas <laughs> is a funny one because he's not that type of player in a way but he's also the type of player who does get annoyed and, and will lash out a little little bit yes. here and there I think we've yes. I think we've all seen that so uh, maybe that's me projecting that onto that situation it looks certainly looks to me like he, he was annoyed and, and had a bit of a kick at him but um, I, can't, I can't read his mind a Mon- a Monaco still bad they look pretty bad they've got issues obviously that that game is um the, the, the result looks worse than it actually is and the game's hugely affected by the fact that Fabregas was sent off in the first half um but on the other hand, uh, I think some people thought it was an opportunity for, for Monaco to show their chops because uh, Leon went there having had a really bad pre-season um, and the whole Juninho and uh, Silvino project was being questioned a little bit already. People wondered where uh, the fitness was, where the identity of, of the style of play was. And they went there and gave a really good account of themselves, actually. Uh, Chaga Mendes, uh, the, the new signing um, in midfield, was, was very, very good. Um, we, we knew the front players were fine already, and you know they've not even unleashed Maxwell Cornet and Martin Terrier, who finished last season very well. Are you, are uh, you sticking with yet. unleashed? They're going to unleash them? Oh, d- is that the right verb? Maxwell Cornet definitely gets unleashed. Okay. Is he actually on a leash on the bench? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but possibly. He's, well, he's not very that. accepting of not being in the yeah, Reminded me of the film Gladiator where they pull the uh, the gates open and people just rush and out. off he goes. Yeah. Oh, it but, made me think of the Rancor in Star Wars. Yeah, a bit of that, yeah, a bit of that as well. Kenny Tetter does a bit of martial arts, doesn't he? I mean, he's. Uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Did yeah. I make that up? Well, well if, if he does it, he does it on the bench as well. So that would certainly keep Maxwell Cornet in check. Andy, the Monaco midfield. Please explain. I mean, that, that's that's not meant to. They're not meant to have a right back in the centre half and midfield all season, right? They have a plan beyond that. Let's hope so. Okay, because yeah. so, that is odd. I mean, just looking for the squad as well. It's not like they had massive injuries in that part of the field, anyway. Anyway, no. I mean, the, the, they got the, Big Nasser Chadley on the bench. He's not using him. Not, not anymore. He's Terrible gone off on loan to Anderlecht. Oh, no, he's on the bench against Leon. Yeah, but he's he's well. well I'm not surprised. Obviously, just ballast. If you if you because, <laughs> because he got shipped out a day later. If you're a centre midfield player and you've seen a right back and as Lars says, a, in 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 uh, Jemison, a, a centre back by trade in front of you, I'll be straight out on loan. See you later. Yeah, I'm off. I'm an international football player. Thanks very much. I'm not having that. Yeah, that's beyond the pale. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's one of the the big signings that's not really gone that well for uh, for Monaco. He's he's in the Naldo bracket, I suppose, <laughs> at, at, at the moment. Andy, and if, <laughs> if if Nasir Chadley falls into the bracket of big signing, is that is that a sign that you perhaps things aren't all as well as they should be anyway? <laughs> Premier League experience, you can't not true. do that. That's uh, true. The fact that you have a Naldo bracket is not a good sign. Very slow old centre half who can kick the ball very hard. Yes, yeah. I mean the the, the difficult. You rang. <laughs> <laughs> the, the difficulty for them is they were lacking a couple of, uh, of forward players uh, notably uh, Radamel Falcao who yeah. was uh, suspended so they had to go with young Foster up up front um, they've since kind of remedied that because they've they've gone out and they've signed Avisan Bignetta for 40 million euros with uh, Ronnie Lopez going the other way to, to Sevilla who I think will do really really well there I mean 
in his best moments at Monaco, Ronnie Lopez just really looked the part. That like you know he has to be in the Portugal eleven kind of the part. So mm. um, uh, I'd be interested to see how both of those get on. I mean, Ben Yed is like a stone cold goal scorer. He'll definitely improve them. But you know they've signed Henry Onyekuru as well, who had a good season yeah. on loan at Galatasaray it's a last season. For that. He never actually played for Everton, is that right? No, he no. He, he, he didn't. I yeah. mean, he's he's just ended up being transfer collateral and you know right. Everton have done well out of the fact that he did very well at Galatasaray sounds like a Jason season. Statham film doesn't it <laughs> transfer, yeah, collateral. transfer collateral <laughs> I'm up for directing that yeah. I'm definitely up for directing that uh, and now that the, the sense is still that they've maybe not quite gotten up depth in those right. forward positions so Radamel Falcao who looks set for Galatasaray is they're edging towards offering him a new contract, which is what he wanted in the first place. So it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out. That was one of the big storylines, certainly in France, of the, the last 10 days of the transfer window. Old man Falcao going to Turkey, surely is transferred bingo. <laughs> Someone has to have that on their bingo oh, 100%. card. There, I'm surprised yeah. to hear he wasn't already there. <laughs> lost in all the transfer news of the summer. But what they're saying is, is, is going to be one of the the biggest adjustments. I mean, there's there's a lot about Galatasaray that I, I think you would find attractive this season. I mean, anyway, I think you're, if you're a footballer, that atmosphere, I mean, it's, it's something something pretty special, especially after you've been playing at, at Monaco and the fact they've signed Nzonzi, they've signed Seri. If, if you add him to that, they've got a team that could... Uh, maybe get out of the group stage nice of the Champions though, League do something very interesting Eunice Beland is still there as well so but just living in Turkey for a couple of years of your life living in Istanbul is not uh, a bad Istanbul's thing Istanbul's crazy I mean, it's crazy yeah. I, I could, I could Fal- warm Fal- to it like Falcao that. famously is a, is a smart guy you know he's a, he's a well you know, spoken intelligent guy who thinks about the world and this sort of thing hmm. so I think for him uh, having a couple of his years in Istanbul I think is something he's going to look forward to but, but the sense is is life just too comfortable in Monaco, if he can get the money he wants, because there you can. Monaco go, doesn't sound like it's a place you get comfortable in. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can go around uh, Carrefour and uh, you know be completely unmolested. You're probably like the fiftieth most famous person in there, even and the hundred fiftieth richest. I have to say, yeah. I feel and distinct. Where, I feel distinctly uncomfortable in Monaco, but that might be because yeah. I'm not on Falcao's salary. I'll just say, <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a differential. But, yeah. but, but but the thing is, he's he's got to step from that into the bear pit. So uh, on a sporting level. And on a football experience level, you know, Galatasaray is the obvious choice, especially after, you know, however many years of playing in front of 6,000 people most of the time at, at, at Monaco. But it, it is a big lifestyle change. And I think sometimes you can, you can underestimate that. We can, like, see the the, the players as transfer collateral yeah. and, and not actual humans. But it's a massive lifestyle change, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. What would I mean, be the plot of transfer collateral? Would the state um, be trying to get Falcao to Istanbul in one piece or something? Well, it's been started, <laughs> off, about, started off about Henry Onyekeru, but I yeah. mean, it could be about Falcao. He could be, be more part glamorous, of the deal it? as well. You gotta... Might be Luka Jovic after this week. Could, could be, I can see him doing a cameo in a turtleneck. Falcao travels across Europe at like breakneck speed, just trying to find anyone to give him a knee replacement. I don't know. A surprise cameo by Ibra at some point. Yeah, yeah. Just kicking well, everyone in the head. There was, interestingly, there was, and Sesk. Sesk is raking everyone. Slyly. Jason yeah. Statham is listening. To, Jason Statham is listening. To Falcao jumps, jumps on this super yacht and he's about to push off from the from the, from the, from the harbour, but Fabregas comes and just rakes him down the back of the leg. The blood goes into the sea, and all of a sudden, like that massive Sharks. shark comes up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Statham is listening to this, going, "You don't need a plot if you got me." No, true. That, well, that is true. He's one of the few Hollywood stars you can say that about. Lewandowski, jetzt wird der Flanke in die Mitte. Die kommt nicht schlecht. Schieber, Reus, Reus in die Mitte. Wir machen rein. Tor, 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 Tor. I mean, staying in France, um, speaking of Hollywood stars, Marseille lose at home to Rem at the weekend, right? Can anyone in this room, and there's only two of you, so step forward, stick your chests out, is AVB a good coach or not? I don't think anyone's clear on this. No one knows nope. if AVB's actually good or not. I've no idea. Uh, could, yeah. could, could, we, could we add a little disclaimer at the beginning before we get into Marseille? Well, you're say... trying to get an interview with him, so you don't want to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not interviewing him anytime. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we, can, we can say that Ranza 
a good side. How did you pronounce it? Rance. Rance. Okay. And so confusing to me. That they were um, they were they were top eight last season. They're very solid and difficult to to break down. They've, they've lost a few players like Bjorn Engels went to Aston Villa of of of, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, and Mondi, the goalkeeper, has moved on to Ren. That's Ren, so not Ralph. That's the confusion. Yeah, Lars was as confused as me, and he speaks about five languages, so I don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> Both of those things are untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was not confused. That was just wrong. Okay, anyway. fair enough. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, we, we can talk about talk about, and we've talked about with Real Madrid how you know you can say preseason's not that important, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and we talked about that with 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 Leon, and the fact that um, Marseille came over to England and lost to. Accrington, you know, it's just one of those things. It, 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 Not it, ideal. It, it can, it can happen. It can. But can it happen? Uh, it doesn't happen a lot, does it? Marseille losing to Accrington. What is your first pre-season game of, uh, of, of the campaign? Yeah. I, I think. Answer the question, in, in, but, but talk to me in the, in, within the lens of all the lawns, if you like, of, <laughs> <laughs> of AVB, because I think people listening will obviously understand his time he spent over in England and, 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 and being told actually by people who know more about football than, than perhaps I do or perhaps they do that AVB is an exciting young coach he's a good yeah. coach he's interesting but then they would be forgiven for saying well hang on a minute what's he actually achieved now he's been in the game for a reasonable amount of time you know it's good that he's turned up in France because one thing that a French phrase that sticks to me about um uh, AVB's career so far is when people say that, that they don't want to get ahead of themselves il faut pas brûler les étapes so, so you don't want to just like burn through all the stages too quickly yeah and it feels to me that that's like what he's done mm. he feels like a relatively inexperienced coach with like quite a lot on his, his CV yeah. he left Porto too quickly he knew he was leaving Porto too and we, quickly and, you, and he was convinced he wasn't going to leave but then they changed his mind didn't he mm. yeah he, he, he did in, in, in and, interest of Chelsea and Chelsea knew it was too early Porto knew it was too early but they all big fat went ahead and did it anyway mm. and um, then of course it was he turned up at Tottenham a very different coach and you know he, he tried to piece himself back together in a more pragmatic context. Then you've got Zenit, where, where it, it went quite well, but again, it's a totally different challenge. China just felt like a placeholder for him. Then he's had some time out of the game. He was learning German, so there was the he's still only he forty-one. Would, he would come back. He's, he's, he's done the Paris Dakar Rally as well. Didn't finish it, but you know it's a hard thing to <laughs> another metaphor. <laughs> I guess my thing about AVB is that wherever he's done well. You can look at the players and say, "Well, you bloody should do well." And whenever, yeah, it's, yeah, whenever right. and whenever it's gone wrong, there have been circumstances that makes you go, "Well, you know, fair enough. That wasn't an easy situation." Are you so saying, that makes it really hard for me to judge what he actually is. Are you basically saying, in short, no hulky, no party? Well, yeah. I, well, I, I'm always saying that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, but yeah, the team he had at Porto, unbelievable players. But he won um, the Europa League last at the age yeah. of 34. Yes, manager. and with a crazy squad with Hulk and Falcao but that and Moutinho, it, but and that like, oh my god, problems. what a team they had and that's fine but like that is a team you should do really well with going to Chelsea after Mourinho and this whole thing was a really difficult challenge like you say very early probably Mm. difficult dressing room for anyone to keep a hold of I think history has shown us Uh, obviously not the right place for him at a Tottenham. permanently difficult dressing room since 2005. Definitely. We <laughs> should be under the crest, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> difficult dressing Change that into Latin. Yeah. <laughs> on the crest. Yeah. And, and going to Tottenham, initially very good, but of course there was the, the Gareth Bale factor there. I mean, there were a lot of the time at Spurs when he was doing all right, where it was just get it to Bale, like, and he'll, he'll, he'll smash it in from somewhere. So, and then when things went to, fell apart at Spurs... That was with Bale having left and the team not really making sense anymore. So, and then, what do you really say about Zenith or China? It's, I think it's really hard to judge. Yeah, it, it is a little. I mean, I think it's hard to judge him off this forthcoming job, really, or this current job that he's in, because <laughs> basically, I mean, he, he spoke last week in the run-up to the Rams game. They've brought in a Dario Benedetto from uh, Boca Juniors, and they needed a centre forward. Which after is an Balotelli exciting went. signing, right? I mean, it's a bit late for him to move to Europe, but you know, yeah. he should be a good fit. It is an exciting signing but he basically went I think that might be us doing we might have done all our money now (laughs) and the fans don't want to hear that and also (laughs) you know of course I'd love to hear him saying it exactly that way How's it going? Really, we've done all our money. <laughs> <laughs> He's got such a deep voice, gravelly. Yeah, gravelly, yeah. isn't it? But uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think there's a rebuild required there, and certainly at the moment, he does 
not have the tools to be able to do it. There's, so there's not the money there. There's not the ability as well to shift what you might argue is deadwood, an expensive deadwood in the shape of Kevin Strokeman, who played okay on the first day of the season and nearly gave them a lead with a shot to hit the crossbar. But, you know, long term, they don't, they want to move on from Strokeman. They want to move on from Dimitri Payet, who earns an absolute fortune there. But there are there are no takers. So his his hands are tied. I think if this goes badly, if it's any other coach, he gets a pass because... Because AVB it's not, yeah. So, yeah. It's, so it's another job when we can't judge him. Will we ever know no, if he's any good? You can never judge him. He'll, he'll remain a mystery 20 you, years from now. He'll have to start his own club. Yeah. When, yeah. In, when in 2025 he uh, manages Hull back into the Premier League with JT as his assistant. <laughs> yeah, now you're talking. What's, what's success for Marseille look like? I mean, fifth last season, that's not a European place in France, is it? No, no. no it wasn't last season, no. And so, and so and it, well, I mean, you're talking about... Is that par for them, or are you looking to, for them I, to push a bit more than I, that? I think it is. I think okay. you, you look at the other teams, you look at, you know, Monaco are better than them. Uh, Monaco will be better than them this season, I think. St Etienne are better than them uh, under uh, Gisland Prantin. I think they'll find the continuity and they've, they're, 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 an, they're an attractive team to repeat their top five finish. Mm. I mean, AVB's gone out there and said, look, we're, we're aiming for the Champions League. But I don't think, again, that you can say at the end of the season, if they don't make it, oh, he's been hoisted by his own petard there or, or, or whatever. So he's got to say that. Of course. What, what, Otherwise, we'll incur the they, wrath of Chris Waddle. What else are the fans going to accept? Yeah. What else is Chris Waddle going to accept? Yeah. I, I, had, I had good Marseille advice from um, uh, Chris Waddle once when I was um, at the, 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 the Stad Velodrome. I got there eventually for, I think it was Euro quarterfinal, Poland versus Portugal. And um, I got stuck in horrendous Marseille traffic. Only just got there. And I sat down next sounds, to Chris sounds, sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it, Lars? <laughs> for the man who was an hour late for recording oh, today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't driving. I didn't have the excuse of driving through Marseille this time. No. So I, I sat down and you think it's a wonderful thing to be sat next to and working with Chris Waddle in the Stad Velodrome. It's the stuff that, that dreams are made of. And mm. I, 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 I mentioned this to him and he goes, oh, wait, man, you're sure to take on the TGV. <laughs> have Chris Waddle saying that to you in the Velodrome. It does not get any better than he, that. He's very, very popular there still, isn't he? He gets mobbed. Yeah, that, they, they had the these t-shirts that they used to sell and it was like proper like mulleted waddle uh, yeah. from, from back in the day. It was just a picture of his head with the old Davy Crockett hat with just the, the words waddle attitude. Love that. And of course, the who could forget his rap song with Basil Bolly. But um, <laughs> if you're going to take the credit, Andy, for um, so giving Soderland the, um, the, the Midas touch, presumably you're going to take the blame for Paolo Sosa's team's capitulation at Angers as well the weekend. <laughs> I think that's all on you, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Paolo Sosa has another one with an inconclusive managerial CV, right? Yeah, he's, he's, again, he's, he's not been anywhere long enough no. for us to have an opinion. And I there mean, have been good bits here and there and also bad bits here and there. Well, James Horncastle will tell you. I mean, he's someone who's really, really highly rated in, in Italy. And mm. the start of his spell at Fiorentina, which we talked about in the Ramble Meets interview, was absolutely fantastic. But again, he's got a difficulty, I think, when in, in terms of his hands being tied financially. I mean, Koscielny arriving is a massive bonus. That is a huge bonus. What that is not going to help them to do, what they really need to do, what they, by his own admission in this interview, really need to do is excite the fans and fill up the stadium. They've got this brilliant new stadium, the uh, Mahmoud Atlantique, which is um, left over from Euro 2016. And, you know, they've, they've had real problems getting getting people into it. Now, you know, Koscielny is a great name. I'm sure he'll improve the team. He's a terrific leader. He's not going to score on goals, though, is he? And, and that's what they really need. But, you know, the, the hardest thing in the game is to find a top strike, especially when you haven't really got that much money. Yeah, it's not helt unthinkbart, for now you have out there, and it will be... It will be mål! It will be mål! It's the worst I've seen! It's not clever! He cycles in there from 25 meters! Lars, something you were pretty keen to, to get stuck into when, when you came in this morning was <clears throat> this idea that Atletico Madrid might be changing their identity. Um, tell us a bit about that. 
Yeah, I'm just looking at the Atletico Madrid squad going into the season, and it feels like a bit of a sea change this summer with Godin and Ranfran and Philippe Luis going out. I'm not saying all those three would necessarily have played a lot because they were quite old at this point, but it feels like more and more the the the, the guys we remembered from the initial great period under Simeone, the sort of Chulismo guys, are kind of moving on, and you're left with a squad that looks very different in terms of character, and you've spent a lot of money on some very talented attackers now. Thomas Lemar coming in last season. You've got, obviously, Joao Felix now is the big headline signing that they've spent all the money in the world on. Uh, Morata's there. He's not an obviously sort of Chulismo type kind of guy. It's, it's uh, Angel Correa still there, I believe. It's it's, it's uh, The character of the, the squad and the people in the squad is now very, very different from what it was initially when uh, when uh, Atletico gate crashed the sort of top of the Sure, they'll league. just be bent to Diego's will, won't they? Maybe they will, but I'm not sure... A, I'm not sure you can teach all these guys to run around and kick people for 90 minutes. And I'm also not sure you should. Uh, should you be spending... I mean, surely if that is the plan, you should target a different profile of player. You should target yeah. sort of more obvious, hard-working guys who already do that for various clubs around the world. So it seems that they want to add more skill, more ability, and that will necessarily change the, the character of the team, no? I mean, there should be something learned from the transfers that haven't worked over the last five years. There have been transfers that, that haven't worked and some some pretty big ones. Um, I mean, you know, you look at Nicola Gai- Nicolas Gaetan, who was brilliant at Benfica, who should have provided them with something a little different. Instead, he ended up covering left back a lot and it was mm-hmm. a sad sight. You look at uh, Lamar's first season there and it was not easy at all. It's no it, justice, is it? it? <laughs> it's 50-50 whether it'll work out, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I just think... They've they've got to find, as Lars says, a way for Simeone to be less Simeone. I think he recognises that. In fairness, I don't well. really. Yeah, I, I. So you think he sees? Yeah, do you know what? I need to be less like me. Yeah, I, I think okay. he he realises they've they've got to move on style wise. The big test of this, of course, not just because he's the biggest signing, but because of the sort of player he is, is. Joao Felix. I, I mean, in pre-season, and again, we're not reading too much into pre-season. But they had a brilliant pre-season, didn't they? A fantastic mm. one. And because he's been allowed to run things. Look very good. Right. Yeah, yeah, he, he has. And we, we can talk about uh, Atletico Madrid spending all that money. I mean, point point I made previously, they're saving so much on wages from getting Joao Felix, who's a player with a, a longer future, at least, than, than, than Griezmann. We don't know a bigger future yet. Um, you know, they're paying like a quarter of the wages they were paying to Griezmann. That, 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 is, that is a step for them. They've still got finance available to, to bring in that, that last piece. I mean, it looks like they're, they're going to end up selling Correa to, to Milan and, you know, they were hoping that final piece would be James Rodriguez. It doesn't look likely now, but it looks but that, like it again, might, might like be Rodriguer. The fact that they're even, con- sorry, they're even considering yeah, Rodriguez example, yeah. tells you yeah. that they must be thinking differently, right? Because him is certainly, you're not going to make him imagine turn we, into like... Well, imagine the, if they get him in, first game of the, game of the season, left back. He's not, he's not going <laughs> to immediately turn into the Colombian Paul Dicko. If up you, up you, and down you, the you, wing. You tell him to run around a bit. Imagine him up and down the wing on, yes. the, on the touchline close to where Simeone is and Simeone just hammering him <laughs> and then dragging him after 40 minutes. Not good enough. I have to say one of one of my favourite things in Atletico's preseason has been uh, certainly in those first few training sessions. I know you were very excited last about Kieran Trippier going there. I am the the, the special coaching he's had from uh, Profe Ortega, the, the 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 fitness coach who. Uh, Wow, I mean, he knows how to do a preseason. Yeah, I can imagine. I bet it's McGat-esque. But Trippier, actually, <laughs> Trippier, while obviously maybe not a world-class one-on-one defender, I think is a guy who does fit into the old mantra. He's a hard-working guy. Mm. He's a guy who looks after his body. Remember the first season he was at Spurs when he was nowhere near, though he wasn't playing a lot. He still was incredibly fit and looked after himself, and everyone speaks very highly of his attitudes. I'm sure he'll fit right into that whole thing. I don't think people would like to remember his final season at Spurs. If they were going to remember any season at Spurs, it would hopefully be the one before the final one. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I hugely respect him for going there. I mean, because he's he's clearly thought to myself himself, I want to do something a bit different. I want a new culture, a new language, probably as well, and I want to work under a really hard taskmaster who's perhaps going to get even more out of me. Well, I think if you get <laughs> to the end of your career, and bear in mind, you know, he was playing for Burnley a couple of years ago, no disrespect to Burnley. But I think if when he's at Burnley, you're going to say by the time you're 30, you'll end up being coached by Pochettino and, and, and Simeone. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there, there's no sniffing at that. And he's someone with a desire to learn. I mean, I, I might have mentioned, I, I went to interview him um, second half of last season, I think just when the Champions League last 16 was starting. 
he asked me a lot of questions about about European football. He's definitely curious. Was he? Yeah? Definitely curious. And of course, he had that interest from Napoli as well that James was telling us uh, yeah. about before. So I I think he's been building up to this for a little while, and he's he's all in on it. He's you expecting he's to be successful it. there. Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll do okay. And um, I think it's a really exciting time to be joining Atletico. Like um, Lars was saying, there are not so many senior players to defer to, so they're going to need. Leaders really aren't, aren't they? Looking looking forward, I mean, you, you know, you look at Oblak and Saul and Coque, they're, they're the only ones really. So they're going to need other other leaders to to pop up in the team. It's a clean slate for them. And with Real Madrid in transition, not looking great. With Barcelona, more in transition, I think than a lot of people would like to admit. Mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity for them this season. It was one other reason why it's so fascinating. I do think I get why people hammer him for for his last season at Spurs, but if you look at the numbers. Right, defensively not ideal, but his attacking output was quite significant. He did set up a lot of chances for Spurs last year. Right, so I, I think bringing some of that to Atleti. Well. That's a like for like for Juanfran, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, th- I think Trippier, and this is something we don't remember enough in football when we're covering it in in, in 2019. Is I went to Spurs a lot last season, and Trippier regularly failed what scouts would call the eye test. He just he just looked a lot mm. different, and he didn't look anywhere near the level he was at. Now, mm. if the numbers say something different, then I accept that. Well, uh, post World Cup has to be part of true, that. True, of course. As well, there, there, there were better players than him who suffered last of, season. Of course. On the Atletico thing, though, Lars, I mean, you guys have mentioned Jao Felix. It's a young man who's not played a huge amount of football and has gone for a massive transfer fee. Does their, does their season rest on how well he adapts and how much of a contribution he can make? Saying the season rests on it is a bit big, but if you just... Cost 120 yeah, million if, euros? Well, like what's important to note there is that there's a lot this in installments, right? I mean, sure. it's going to be paid over the length of his contract, I believe. It's not, they've not forked out 100 people, million cash people, straight away. But on but that's that, a big like, fee, of course, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a detail that is important, but I think what we're talking about here is, I think sometimes the, the point is missed when people say 120 million euros, because that's what's being reported. Mm. So the pressure will be Absolutely. on him on that basis, because that's what the media and, and the coverage is going to be based upon. Um, it doesn't look like he's feeling it, though, does it? No, and abs- last season, scoring goals was a huge problem for them. I mean, I think it's underappreciated uh, how much of a disaster Diego Costa has been since coming back. He obviously had that great game and a friend against Real Madrid but but since coming Which back he also got sent off in? yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, well that was that was peak cost of that game one of the, few, like, since... one of the few players you can legitimately say had a great game that he also got sent off in yeah but like, after <laughs> going, back, going back to Atleti he's been sort of injured old and bad I mean that's really that's really been the case for them and they spent a lot of money and a lot of energy making that deal happen so they do need someone to score a lot of goals for them I mean in that sense, their season might rest on Joao Felix because if he doesn't do it, the rest of their attack is looking a little bit uh, thin. Was a Stakhanov production. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.